This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the July 19th edition of Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for making time for us today. I really do appreciate it. I know it's busy. We're all busy, and it's Thursday. You know, we want to get the work done. I had an opportunity to conduct some personalized portfolio reviews yesterday up in San Jose. And things went pretty well, I think. I was able to show several of our InvestDoc listeners how to they can improve some of their performance, try to get their portfolio in shape, or just talk about managing their portfolio. It, was, it went well. And for those of you that contacted me after the spaces for yesterday's appointment was full... I am sorry to have missed you, but I do have another day set up already in San Jose, August 29th, and we'll be giving you a few reminders over the next few weeks, so mark your calendars, August 29th, I'll be in San Jose again. Now to the business at hand, the goal of helping you grow and protect your money, that's what we want to do. And we'll start by answering questions coming up in a minute, but first let me tease you about a story I'm going to break down in a few minutes. During research for the program today, I came across a sentence that caught my attention. Investing in your 40s starts with financial planning and ends with show me the money. You remember that term, show me the money? From a movie? I like that movie. That was a very good movie. Back in the 1990s, Jerry Maguire, I think it was 1996, and it was starring Tom Cruise. Anyway... Anyone who's seen that film understands the contagious excitement of that phrase. Show me the money. I thought it was, I, I, it cracked me up. That was a good movie, I think. Well, for most people, incomes peak around the, in the 40s. Your 40s and 50s is where your top earning years, okay? So, there also happens to be when your top spending years, too. So we need to, that's when you really need to concentrate on putting away money for your nest egg. But you've got to plan that money, too. You just can't just throw money in a basket. You've got to plan it. So before we get started, get into all that kind of thing, let's uh, go to the pre-recorded questions that came in our, on the round-the-clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week listener line. The number is 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Spencer from Columbus. Uh, I am a college student. Uh, with very low capital, and I was wondering what do you think are the best options for investing? I have heard that options are a great way uh, for low capital uh, investing, but I just want your take. Thank you so much. Love the show. Bye-bye. I would not do options. You know, people think, well, gee, I don't have a lot of money, and I could do options because it doesn't cost a lot of money to get into them. Yeah, but that means you could lose all your money. Options are not an investment. Okay, if you uh, and what student doesn't have low capital? <laughs> All students have low capital because they're spending it on college. But if you have a little extra money, just throw it at the market in an index, an ETF index of the S&P 500. That's the way to do it. Just forget about options. It takes, you know, you just can't do options. You just can't say, "Oh, I'm going to do options today." It's a, it not, and you can't just learn it by looking at a book or someone teaching. It. it takes years to be a good options trader. So do not do options. That's not a good way. 
Don't do penny stocks. Don't do options. Don't 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 get exotic. You're just learning how to invest. Start with the basics. Start with the basics. Okay, it's pretty much universal truth that for many people, maybe most people, income peaks in the 40s or 50s years old, somewhere in that range. Of course, your lifestyle expenses also peak in that, that area. But obviously, if you're serious about investing in your future, including finding it for a comfortable retirement, which is key, you've got to adopt practice, some practices that will get you where you need to go. You can't be spend happy. And if you have a spend happy spouse, you need to have a discussion about that. Because at some point, you're going to get older. As I mentioned before, I have a sister-in-law who years and years and years ago told me that she, as I'm telling her that she needs to start putting money aside, she told me she wanted to spend it while she's young. Well, now she's my age, 65, and she's going to work till she dies, if she can work till she dies, because she has nothing saved, very little saved. She, <laughs> now she's regretting that she doesn't have it, but yeah, yeah, she wanted to spend it. That's what happens. So, I'm going to give you some tips. Consolidate your accounts as a, accounts. All the different accounts you have, consolidate as many as you can. You know, have one IRA, have one individual account. You know, have, you have maybe have a 401k, but you don't need three IRAs and two different accounts at different brokerages. And it, it's, put them together so you can track them much easier. Invest in real estate. Yeah, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with buying pro property. You know, again, property is a little bit different, but it is a solid way to make money, to to ensure income down this road by rents. There's nothing wrong with real estate. I don't have a problem with it. And remember to diversify. Um, I, I really concerned, looked at some portfolios recently, and there you you would think they would be very diversified because they had not many stocks, but they weren't diversified because they had two or three stocks that dominated severely the whole portfolio. The others were just little, you know, bits of other shares that, you know, didn't really, that wouldn't matter if they doubled or tripled, it wouldn't affect the portfolio because the few stocks that dominated heavily would, the ones that drive up or down. That's not diversification. Okay, you didn't diversify properly by doing that. Don't concentrate a portfolio too much. Can you concentrate to some degree? Yeah. You know, you've heard me no more than about 15, maybe 20% tops in any one sector. Okay? No more than 5% of any one stock. That's, that's diversification. Okay? Anyways, uh, you know, I'll be, uh, if you want to... Since, everyone is, since everyone's income, their expenses, their investment portfolio will be very different, there's no easy one-size-fits-all solution for anybody. So when if you choose to do that, it's up to you. When you want to talk to a professional, when you want to do that, it's up to you. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe you don't need it. But there's a time when you need it. And so if you do, I would like you to consider me, of course, KPP Financial. Go. And if you if you want to talk about or ask any questions, you can go to my website, investtalk.com, and you, know, you can send us an email. 
Now, speaking of reaching out, I invite you to call anytime or anytime listener line right now. Get me to get me your questions. Get me your questions. 99 chart. Okay, what's our feature talking point today? We all know that real life investing is tough. People have to contend with their fears, desires, and emotions. So, our main talking point. Seven tough investment decisions everyone faces. And that's going to be main talking point. I also want to talk about uh, um, the, the, uh, the strong dollar. I really want to talk about the strong dollar. And what is that doing? What is, why is that a problem? Is that going to be a problem? Weekly jobless claims. Did you see the historic number today? Weekly jobless claims. Yeah, we're going to discuss that and talk about what that means. And we had the leading economic indicator report that came out for June. If you remember right, it was flat in May. And what is the leading economic indicator? Do you know what it's made up of? So we're going to talk about those things. Those are what I'm going to try to get to today, of course. Your questions, what you want to talk about, more important. The market was down. Dow down 135. The Nasdaq down 29. And then the uh, S&P down 11. I think that was the first down day in like five or six, seven days. So the market has been moving up and had a little reversal day. And I was looking, trying to figure out was there a cause, other than maybe the market just needed to sell off a little bit. And if I had to try to point to something, it would be the weakness in the financials. Because kind of, they kind of led the way down today, the financial industry. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I offer a gentle reminder: if you are not already a subscriber to Invest Talk, please take a moment to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Spiffity, whatever that number is, Google Play. You know, and once subscribed, I would love you to listen. And you can review it. You can review our best talk. You can let me know what you think. I read those things. Your comments are always welcome. Always. Our Thursday show is off to a good start. There's still time for you to submit your questions. So give me a call. 888-99-CHART. It's a Thursday Invest Talk. July is warm and getting warmer. You've got financial questions on your mind, and there are investing terms you'd like help with. Well, you can go to investtalk.com anytime and find a good deal of instructive material, or you can pick up your smartphone right now and call Steve. He's here, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Mike in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm looking to add some health to my portfolio, a little diversity there, and I'm looking at Johnson & Johnson, ticker symbol A&J, and ABBV, Admin Pharmaceuticals. I know they're a little bit different, but I'm looking for them more for a dividend return and a core-type holding so I don't have to, you know, go back and forth too much. They both look like they're at lows. I'm leaning towards Johnson & Johnson, so I'll ask you about that one. Is it a good one to enter now, and what would be a good price to enter to, to make a purchase? Thank you very much. It's for a long term. Well, I like Johnson Johnson for a long term. It's a big, big, big blue chip company, $337 billion in size. And they still grow their sales and their earnings, and they've been doing that for years and years and years. 
and it's not too expensive. It, you know, back in January, it peaked at 146, and then it got as low as about 120 or so, and that was in June. So all of June, it kind of trades sideways with a slight upward trend, and then July, it's been moving up, but it's been more volatile in July, but it still moved up. So it's, uh, it was down today about 1.5% to $125.94. They're going to earn, and uh, when I say earn next year, that means estimates. No, you know, no one knows for sure. Whenever anybody says they're going to earn something next year, it's obviously an estimate. I had someone email me telling me that you can't say it's going to earn something next year because you don't know. Well, these are estimates. So when I say they're going to earn $8.59 in 2019, that is an estimate because no one knows for sure. But that is the professional's, the expert's estimate. So they're going to earn $8.59 next year. And they're trading, the stock's trading at 125. So the PE is not too bad. Okay, uh, what, 15 or so? And the five-year range is 13 to 20. Return on equity is very good at 31%. Huge cash flow, pays a 2.9% dividend. I kind of like it at this price. I, I, I kind of like it uh, because it's already fallen. It's based, and it's now it's trying to move up from that base. So if you've got a long-term holder, this would probably be a decent price to pick it up, in my personal opinion. Johnson and Johnson, J and J is the symbol, everybody. J and J. Now he also he also asked about MVV, A B B V, and maybe I can get to that at another day. But you know, it's not like in Johnson Johnson's class. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and heading into the break, I want to remind you that Invest Talk is heard live each weekday in the four to five p.m. hour Pacific time. It's on radio live. And also live on internet, streaming through investtalk.com. Please tell your friends and family members to tune in. I appreciate it. We welcome their questions and yours anytime, 888-99-CHART. Are you already subscribed to InvestTalk? If not... Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And once you've subscribed, please listen, rate, and review. Your comments allow us to improve our Invest Talk programming. And they can also help us understand what you expect to see or hear on radio, podcast, and investtalk.com. And right now, Steve is here in the studio, and he's taking your financial and investing questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Love to talk to you. Seven tests and seven tough investment decisions everyone has to make. You have to face it. And I, I don't know if I get to all seven, but the first one is, should you spend money or save it? What's the, what? Everybody should save money. I ideally, from the very first time you start working, you should save 10% of your money. Uh, that's an ideal way to do it but most people have a hard time with that and every time you get a raise don't spend all the raise you increase your savings rate but that's I, I you know every everybody has different spending habits but if you're going to if you're going to have a comfortable retirement you're going to have to control your spending habits simple as that don't rely on social security 
Rely on yourself. Number two, should you invest in stocks and risk losing your precious money? And instead, maybe spending on what you want and need? The answer is yes. Stocks over a long period have always been the best return. The problem is people are people can't control their emotions when it comes to that. And that leads me to the third one. Should you sell or keep an investment that has failed you? Should you sell it? Get out? This is where most people have a problem. If you have a 401k, you should just invest in the 401k and, and pick the best options they have available to you. Close your eyes and just keep doing it on every paycheck. Until you get into your late 50s, early 60s, should you really be looking at it. Except once a year, you may have to rebalance. But don't worry about what it's doing. Is it making a lot of money? Not enough money? Is it shrinking? That's where most people make the mistake. They can't handle the downstrokes. They can't handle it. You know, the, all this indexing everybody's doing sounds really good. It works, and it will work. I'm not even saying it won't work. It will if the people can handle the downstrokes, like in the last economic downstroke we have, which was a big recession, the market went down 50%. So that means if you had $300,000 in your 401k, it went to 150000 Most people freak out when it starts losing that kind of money, and they get out right at the bottom. And it returned, it came right back. You would have got it all back if you would have stayed with it the very next year, by the end of the next year, 2009. But most people can't handle that. That's where the mistake is made. And what you see, we see a pattern of selling low and buying high. And that, that's, that is borne out by, by the, um, um, the, the uh, returns of the 401k over a long time. Uh, you know, there's been studies to show what the returns of people's 401k, active 401ks, are over long periods of time. And it's less than half of the market. Why? They're either getting out at the wrong time or they've done investing in the market or they're just scared. So it, it doesn't work for them. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. It really isn't. And, you know, should you listen and pay attention to the financial news? I think you should, but just don't necessarily react to it. You don't have to jump in, jump out because of what's going on in the financial news. Leave, leave, leave that kind of study and research and analysts to the experts. You know, and they're, they're not always right either. But you, know, you, you have a life to live. You can't, you can't compete on that level with, with people that do it for a living. It's very difficult. So, you know, live your life. Let, let other people do it. You know, or just buy the index and leave it alone. If you promise to leave it alone during the next recession, during every recession, leave it alone. That's all I got to say about that. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Uh, the, the dollar is very, very strong, right? The dollar has been very, very strong. So I want to talk to that before the end of the show today. We're going to go to mine in San Jose. How you, Mike? Mike. Hey, thank you, Steve. I was wondering what your opinion would be for J.P. Morgan, J.P.M., please. 
J.P. Morgan is one of the largest and best, well, best run, stable um, financial institutions. J.P. Morgan Chase. They're huge, $374 billion. They make money. They've always made money for many, many years. Um, they're going to make an estimate of $9.14 next year, and then the year after is $9.88, and it's a $109 stock. So that's telling you that the P.E. is right around 11 12 Now, normally uh, you would say, Mike, oh, that seems pretty cheap. Not necessarily, because the five-year range is 8 to 16 and 11 and 12 was right in the middle of that range. So it's not a cheap stock necessarily. I don't want you to think that, that it's inexpensive. It's not. It's the middle. It's just fairly priced at $108, $109, $110. I don't think it's got a lot of upside potential, and the 2% dividend is not big enough for me. It's just not something I would want to own right now. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, six common myths about estate planning. I'll sort through misconceptions of a state plan to help you create a prosperous future for your family. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm here and ready to answer your financial investing questions. The number is always the same, 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? Poor timing and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing unbiased investing management. So if you'd like a second opinion on your current financial picture or more information about how KPP Financial's variety of investment program strategies can benefit you, use the Contact Us link at investtalk.com. KPP consultations are completely free and designed to help guide each individual towards their ultimate financial goals. Right now, you're in luck. Steve is here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. Love the show. I had a quick question. I was hoping you could give me your opinion about Canopy Growth Corporation, ticker symbol CGC. Uh, it is a cannabis company out of Canada, and uh, I was hoping you could put it in your software there and see if it's uh, what the possible target price should be at in, in about a year once the market opens up to recreational sales. As most stocks are right now, I imagine it's a bit overvalued at $26, $27 a share, 
but what would you say is a good price to buy at right now uh, as I'm trying to buy the dips? Second part question is I was wondering right now as a person in my mid-20s investing for the long term, focusing on my Roth IRA, already maxing out my 401k, where would be a good place to park $5,000 right now in uh, any sort of ETF or uh, long-term stock with growth potential? Thank you very much. Love the show. All right, answer to your second question, long-term growth, where should you invest $5,000? Probably an ETF, index ETF. Uh, maybe break it up in a couple of places, maybe the Qs and the S&P 500. I know you probably don't want to hear that. You probably want to hear about individual stocks, and it's not enough money to invest in individual stocks because if you're going to buy individual stocks, you're going to have to have 15, 20, I like 30 myself, stocks. You can't have two, five stocks or six. It's not enough. Uh, you want to have proper diversification. Okay, it means you have different sectors, different stocks. So it's better with that small amount of money to just buy an ETF of the indexes. They'll work fine. Now, Canopy Growth Corporation, uh, it's a Canadian-based company, manufactured and sells marijuana for medical and recreational cannabis consumers. You know, it's, it's illegal in, in Canada. And I know people who say, well, it's very legal in various states in the United States. Well, I'll say may maybe under state law, but not under federal law. And so you can't just sell and grow that kind of stuff in the United States. You just can't. Um, but uh, they've never made money, and they are scheduled to finally turn that around in 2020 and make 31 cents a share. That's the estimate. And right now, they're going to lose... 13 cents a share this year, uh, actually 37 cents a share this year, and 13 cents a share next year. Uh, so they don't have any debt. There's, it, it hasn't been around long enough to give you any kind of track record. It's fairly new back in, what, June? A year ago, June or so was when it came out, I think. Anyways, it hasn't been around long enough for us to have a nice track record. And it's $25 stock going to make $0.31. Cents. Now, the sales growth is, you know, has been 100% sales growth a quarter the last few quarters, except for the most recent. The March quarter was up 55%, the sales growth. Uh, this stock is not for me. This is not a core holding. This is not a stock that, you know, you, you should be messing with being one of your first picks. Uh, I would not uh, because it's going to be all over the place. It's going to be very volatile. Uh, it topped around $36, and that seems to be the top. If you are going to buy it, I think the buy point is right around $20. $20. But I wouldn't buy it. CGC is the symbol. CGC Canopy Growth Corporation. 888.99 chart. Okay, we know the dollar has been very, very strong. You want to see what the dollar is compared to other currencies? You can use an ETF. The symbol is UUP. And now it'll tell you what the dollar is doing, and it, may, and it reached a new high today in the last 12 months, new high. And so what is the effect of a strong U.S. dollar? You always hear politicians, presidents, oh, we want a strong dollar. You haven't heard Trump say that because he's a businessman. We don't want too strong of a dollar. Because why? Because it hurts earnings. The S&P 500 companies, a large chunk of their earnings comes from overseas. 
So when they want to bring that money back to the U.S. and the dollar is really strong, it they, they make less money. So it hurts their sales going. You know, they're trying to sell something, but they're making the product in U.S. dollars. So it's, it, it really disrupts their, their business model. So, and remember, if, it's, if the strong dollar earnings are being hurt, and this goes along with this, the, um, the trade war, if earnings are going to be hurt, corporation earnings, the S&P 500, then that's going to affect the P.E. ratio of the stock market, price-earnings ratio. That's going to affect the valuations of the stocks. And, you know, a strong dollar, especially our international banks, does not necessarily help them. We saw a couple of reports out today where the strong dollar did indeed impact their profits downward. So it's not all good news with a strong dollar. It's not. You know, part of me wants a weak dollar. Not, you know, super weak, but I guess a, a steady dollar would be preferable. So everybody can adjust just to the dollar. But it is a concern. It really is. The strong dollar. It and again it made new highs today, so I don't know. I just don't I'm not comfortable with it going up so much. As most of you know, we encourage your financial investing questions live each weekday on Vest Talk. During the radio program and we're live four to five Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Uh, we have you know let me make a point. We are happy to have all your questions. Really, we are. You can inquire about any certain stock symbol you want, and I'll do my best to offer a quick opinion. But I also ask you to broaden the topic range, if you will. Uh, because remember, you might be interested in that stock, but a lot of other people may not. So I try to make every stock question a little broader in scope so it won't so it appealed to more people, not just say, buy that, this is where it's going to be, and this is how much money it's going to make. But, you know, always add something else uh, into it. But you drive the show. You're the one in charge, not me. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, streamed and broadcast live at 4 Pacific time each weekday and also available 24-7 via archived podcast at investtalk.com. Are you already subscribed to InvestTalk? If not, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you live in Northern California and missed the opportunity for a free portfolio review in San Jose with Steve, there will be a second chance. Steve Peasley has reserved August 29th for an additional day of portfolio review consultation in San Jose. So mark your calendar, August 29th. And now, we're taking your financial or investing questions live. 888-99-CHART. Great show, guys. Mark from San Diego. KKR, it's up at a 52-week high. I have some. I'm thinking of selling it. I'd like to get a second opinion. We still have some room to grow. That's KKR. Thank you. Okay, KKR, and it's called KKR uh, uh, and Company, Inc., and that's the symbol, provides global alternative asset management and capital markets transaction services to institutions. To institutions. It is a $13 billion company, and 
they make the the estimate for this year is two dollars and thirty three cents. The estimate for next year is two dollars and thirteen cents, and I don't like that. That means earnings are going down. They also have lots of debt. I don't like that part either. I don't. Uh, mutual funds have been slowly buying it, but nothing important over the last year. Nothing significant. Um, I, I, personally, I, I think this is, you know, it's priced at twenty seven dollars. It can make two dollars thirteen cents. With the earnings going down and sales falling in the most recent quarter, I think it's an excellent time to take some of the money off the table on this stock. You know, uh, is it overly expensive? Not really. It's not. But I don't like the, the trajectory of earnings and sales. And the sales have been very erratic quarter over quarter over quarter. You know, and I just don't care for the unsteadiness. It pays a 2.5% dividend. Which is good. Management owns one percent. You asked, should I take profits? And my answer is, probably. Maybe, maybe you can. Maybe you just follow it with a very tight stop if it breaks like the twenty-day moving average, which now right now be twenty-six dollars and one cent, and it's at twenty-seven oh six. If it breaks the twenty that that twenty-day moving average, then sell it. That way you have in case it still keeps marching up, you're not pulling the trigger too soon. There's always that danger. There's an old saying, don't water the weeds and pick the flowers. So this would be picking the flowers. Well, how do you prevent yourself from picking the flowers when you want to take profits or it's you know, too expensive or it's turning, you know, it's changing the, the fundamentals that you first, you know, first saw? Well, one of the ways is just follow it up with a stop. Don't just sell it out. Let it tell, give you a signal to sell it out. Pick a signal that you're comfortable with. Let's go to Cherie in San Mateo. How are you doing, Cherie? I'm doing good. How are you, Steve? I'm good. Thank you for the call. I, I appreciate a, it. Question on uh, earlier, you mentioned that someone had a 5000 and they were looking where to invest. You recommended uh, ETF would be the best choice right now. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm in a similar position right now where I have a uh, 5,000 and um, I was contemplating on either, uh, you know, choosing stocks versus ETFs, but I, I get how you said, why you said uh, choosing ETFs over stocks. But one, uh, my question is, why can't I also go with either mutual funds or, you know, um, S&P 500 versus ETF? I guess S&P 500 would be the same, right? Yes, well, you can get an ETF that tracks the S&P 500, or you can get a mutual fund that tracks the S&P 500. They will both do the exact same thing. Okay, why do I suggest an ETF over a mutual fund? Well, one reason is yeah. an ETF is easy to, easy to get in and out of. It's, you know, because you can, it trades the same, it trades like a stock. It also has a, almost always, almost always, a lower expense ratio because an ETF is nothing more than a hybrid of a mutual fund. It's it's they're pretty much the same, but most ETFs track an index and they're not actively managed. But if you're tracking an index in a mutual fund, it's the same as tracking an index in an ETF. So um, why not buy the one that usually is cheaper expense-wise and easier to get in and out of? Mutual fund you can get out in and out of, but you have to wait till the end of the day and whatever it trades at that day. Whereas an ETF is like a stock. Now there is an additional cost for an ETF when because you have a trading cost. If your brokerage firm charges you know five, six, nine dollars a trade, 
that, that that's an ETF cost that maybe you won't have in a mutual fund. But many mutual funds also have minimums. You've got to have a certain amount that you have to buy. Where an ETF, you don't. You can buy one share if you want. So, the, you know, it's just a preference. Appreciate the call. Sheree, I do appreciate it. It's just a preference, everybody. It's nothing, it's not that big of a, a of a difference to make it, you know, stress out about it. But I do like, I do prefer the ETFs. Okay, the weekly jobs report, weekless, weekly jobless claims report came out today. That means the people filing for unemployment benefits. That's what that is. And we're at a 48 and a half year low. 48 and a half years at uh, 207,000. Remember, our, 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 our labor pool over all those years probably went up 50%. So we have a lot more workers than we did back then. So we, it just shows you how, how healthy our economy is, really. So it was 207,000 people uh, filing for unemployment claims, and that's 8,000 less than it was a week ago. And the unemployment claims is one of the leading economic indicators. The forecast was for it to go up to 220,000, not go down. Now, as I look at this, I'm thinking, you know, why, why do they think it was going to go down versus up? It, I think in the summertime, it gets more difficult for them to keep track of the numbers because a lot of factories you know, shut down for a week or two, especially in the auto industry, and retool and clean or do whatever else. They stop. So that kind of, that, that, that actually makes the numbers odd. Usually that's what they probably assumed that they were going to stop and they, you know, because a lot of these numbers are estimated and then refined to be accurate later. So I think that might have something to do with it. It's just a messy time for the experts, quote unquote, labor department to get real numbers from. You would think it'd be easy. Just count state by state how many. To me, it seemed like easy, but apparently it's more complex than that. So that's what came out today. And, you know, it's a good report, very good report. I mean, it, you know, we talked about the quit rate when people quit, and that's at pretty high, and the higher the quit rate when people quit their jobs, the more the healthier the job market. And it's pretty high right now because they have confidence in getting a job. They're not worried about it. Our Thursday show is almost over, like already, but you know, don't worry about it yet. you still got 10 minutes left in the day. In the day you can call. You know, we'll be happy to take your call. So call 888. 99 chart. On the next Invest Talk, six common myths about estate planning. That's tomorrow. But now, Steve's here, he's ready, and waiting for your calls. 888 99 chart. Good morning. My name is Sarah. I'm calling from Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware, and I have a question about the stock Lamar, L-A-M-R, and I'm wondering what you think about Lamar, considering it for our investment club, so I'm calling to ask you your opinion on whether Lamar is a good buy or not now. Thank you. 
Okay, Lamar Advertising, L-A-M-R. It's a mid-cap company, $7 billion. I like mid-cap companies because they usually have growth potential, more growth potential than big-cap stocks, and they have stability, more stability than small-cap stocks. So I like the mid-cap area. Uh, they operate over 351,000 billboard logo signs and transit advertising displays in the U.S., and Puerto Rico, and Canada. That's a big, 351,000 billboard logo signs. Anyways, uh, they're going to make $3, they're estimated to make $3.03 this year, and then $3.39 next year, and it's a $72 stock. So that means you're looking at a company that is, what, 22, 23 PE? I like the fact that they pay a 5% dividend. That's very attractive to me. And I like the fact that they're, they have a 29% return on equity, meaning they're doing very well with the, the, um, the equity they have. They're making good money on it. I don't like the fact that they have more debt than they should. I'm not comfortable with the level of debt they have. I'd have to take a look at the debt and see if it's, what kind of debt is it? Is it mortgage debt? What is the debt for? Um, the company is growing its earnings very, very steadily. Very, very, uh, and it's growing its sales also three, four, five percent per quarter for a very, very long time. Uh, it bottomed at sixty-one, sixty-two dollars, and the top of the range is about seventy-five, and it's at seventy-two. So I think you probably wouldn't do too well for capital appreciation. I think it's going to top off, top up near where it is now. Maybe go up to two or three more dollars a share and go go to 77, but I don't, you know, that'd be very top. And I think it's going to go back down to 61 dollars a share, which has done that twice this year and bounced off. So it's kind of one of those kind of stocks and it's not that cheap. It's not super expensive. It's just not that cheap. Good, solid company. Not trying to complain about the company. And a dividend is very nice. But I wouldn't buy it here. I would not. L-A-M-R. It's a symbol there, everybody. L-A-M-R. Okay, the L-E-I, which is the Leading Economic Indicator Report, which is put out by the conference board every month. Okay, and th they came out with June's number for June. It was up five-tenths of percent after being flat in May. So it looks like it rebounded. But that's not really why I'm bringing it up. I want to know if you know what the components are. The LER report, leading economic indicators, there's a lot of them. In the conference board LEI report, they only track 10 of them. 10 of them. And they're looking for leading economic indicators. Not lagging. Not lagging economic indicators. Not 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 current like economic indicators that tell you what's going on right this minute, but leading. What are leading? The average work week, whether it's going up or down, the number of hours worked in a week. Unemployment claims. I just talked about it. You about unemployment claims. Is it going down? Staying steady? Rising? Manufactured new orders for consumer goods. Manufactured orders for non-defense capital goods. You know what that means? We're trying to figure out if corporations are spending on equipment, capital, to improve their businesses. 
ISM, Institute Supply Management, new orders. Notice that we're talking new orders when we talk about manufacturing. Building permits, the S&P 500, credit card index, the interest spread between the 10-year U.S. Treasury minus the Fed fund rate. It's going up, down, 13, and consumer expectations. Those 10. That's what's in that LER report. That's it for the Fast Moving Thursday, everybody. And thanks to your questions. We've got another valuable Invest Talk Radio show with, to post on our podcast player right now after the end of this show and add to the library. Thanks for listening, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.